everybody. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. On today's show, Square goes live with their entire client list. Oracle takes new direction from Nokia. Bob Dylan's Tempest, his new album, goes geo, plus acquisitions from TripAdvisor and Square, plus our really special guest, B.J. Emerson, co-author of The Tasty Delight Way. This, my friends, is our best show ever. Stick around. everybody and welcome to this week in location based marketing this is episode number 98 and we're recording this live sunday october 7th canadian thanksgiving my name is rob woodbridge from untether.tv in ottawa ontario canada and with me as always it's asif khan from the location based marketing association yeah in toronto man toronto ontario canada home sometime home of asif khan right yes this, you know, for the next couple of weeks, it'll be mostly home. So there you mostly go. Mostly home. Well, mostly home. You know what? That's so happy Thanksgiving to our Canadian uh, listeners. Happy Columbus Day to our American listeners. And uh, if you got some other holiday going on in some other part of the world, you know, we hope you're having a happy one too. Yeah, we're happy, and it is, and it's also the first full, real full day of the Major League Baseball playoffs. And you can see I'm in full. Full gear, New York Yankees. I uh, cannot wait to watch that game against the Baltimore Orioles. It's going to be a great series, man. I can't believe it. Maybe by the time you've listened to this, it will be over. Who knows? I'm cheering for, just so you know, Rob, I'm cheering for the Orioles just because it's been so long since they've been oh. there. They're the underdog. You know, the Yankees have had enough success. It's, it's time for somebody I else. remember. I am old enough to remember, uh, I think, the last time the Orioles were in the World Series, and uh, I think they won in 1983. So uh, that would make me an old guy, but I still cheer for the New York yep. Yankees. So you can hate me or want, like me. I don't care, but this team is not going to go bankrupt like my Montreal Expos. So. <laughs> so big week uh, this past week. You, uh, you were at the Ramp Conference. Uh, it was in Chicago, right? You're yes. at Ramp. We're going to talk about that. We've got uh, some big news from Square. We've got some interesting news from Bob Dylan and, uh, you know, a weird application of location-based marketing. Nokia news, Macy's. We've also got Xtify, which is great, a good partner in ours. Xtify, uh, our usual funding uh, and uh, acquisition news, a great resource. And BJ Emerson. God, tasty delight. As the guest, come on, we have just ratcheted this thing up a notch, haven't we? We have done that, oh, yes, yeah. and it's. Uh, I mean, it's a jam-packed week yet again. I, mean, I don't think there's ever a slow week in 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 the world of mobile and location stuff. Um, so plenty to talk about. Well, let's jump in. Let's start right away with Ramp. We said that you know I'm I'm so interested because you know we've gone. This is the third week we've kind of uh, taken a look at a conference that you were at, and this is the basically the mecca of retail conferences and I'm so interested because so much went on and I want your take on this so you know what what was it like do, are, are retailers in there do they get it are, are, are we moving forward are we looking at some innovation in this space yeah I, I have to say it, it was a very very uh, active uh, conference I mean great turnout from the retail community I, I mean there's probably Three, four hundred retailers easily, uh, you know, represented there. All the big brands. I mean, Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Macy's, J.C. Penney, Aeropostale, Gap. Uh, I mean, you name it, they were there. Uh, even restaurant chains. I mean, I saw guys from Bojangles, from McDonald's. You know, you. I mean, there's just plenty of turnout. Uh, Walgreens. Um, you know, uh, JetBlue, United Airlines. Um, you know, lots of lots of diversity uh, as far as participation from the retail community, and 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 people are were hungry for information on what's coming next, and uh, you know, and and what to start you know implement in their stores. So. Did you did you see what was going next? Like what was coming? Like was there a glimpse, or was everybody just well, talking about it? There certainly was. It, it was a couple days. Uh, the first day was heavy uh, discussion on uh, on payments, uh, mobile payments. Uh, um, and uh, led by uh, a keynote presentation from Dodd Roberts of MCX, um, and so they came out and uh, you know made some noise. Uh, actually, uh, sequestered all the retailers in in a room almost uh, by themselves, and uh, and said, "Here's what we're doing. Here's why it's great, and here's why you should get involved." And did a fantastic job, I think, of you know making it very simple and compelling uh, for retailers to participate. And and since then, you know, they've announced a whole bunch more retailers than the initial. 
partners who were joining. And w w one of the things I, I wasn't aware of that I learned uh, out of it was uh, MCX is uh, is not just a U.S. thing. They're uh, they're playing in Canada as well. So I uh, I uh, on the on the plane ride back um, I flew back with uh, uh, one of the guys from Canadian Tire, and uh, and we were talking about it and he's like, yeah, oh uh, Dodd Roberts, uh, you know, who leads MCX, he's coming up to Canada in a couple weeks and. We're going to be sitting down with them, and uh, so that that was uh, an interesting uh, thing to hear as well. That uh, that this is at least a North American play. Why wouldn't every single retailer get involved with this? Right? I mean, you know, I, I don't think it's exclusive, is it? No, uh, not at all. It, 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 this is all about you know the the simple premise of we're paying too much in fees. Uh, you know, uh, Walmart pays you know over a billion dollars alone a year in in, uh, in transaction uh, fees. And um, you know, so even if you can reduce that by you know a percent, uh, it's 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 a huge amount of money for a lot of retailers. And so you know that that's the premise they're working under. It's not about who they pay them to or any of that stuff or what technology they use. Really, it's about you know just lowering the fees. Period. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so so a lot of discussion on payments. Um, you know, and then lots of other good stuff going on around. You know, obviously, you know, there's good discussion around our location panel that that we did. Um, you know, and talking about sort of the importance of, you know, we we put a lot of the focus on on our discussion around the importance of you know having a human connection, not just technology, and you know, sort of uh, you know, really really embracing people um, and showing them from a retail perspective that you actually care um, about them. Um, you know, it's sort of the, you know the importance of the human factor. So so there's a lot of stuff like that that we talked about. Um, some good case studies. Uh, JetBlue did a great case study. Uh, we heard from uh, Alon uh, Brands, which is uh, owns a, a whole bunch of 7-Eleven um, franchises. Uh, also owns, you know, the, the, you know, comes from the gas side. They actually own the uh, the oil side of it. So, um, really, really interesting diversity in the conference. Great job by the ramp people and. Uh, yeah. Well, look forward to moving on. I I think it's um you know once you get past the whole uh, payments thing because I don't think uh, I read a great quote that I, you know in the last couple of days that you know there really hasn't been a lot of innovation in payment. It's just it's just a mechanism for payment, and if you can reduce the cost of payment, I think that's great. But ultimately, I mean, payment hasn't been uh, revolutionized since the first currency was invented. We've just changed yeah. what currency is in the way you know in mechanisms. But you know, I, I like the idea that. Um, uh, I like the the topic of what you guys were talking about, which was literally the human factor, the loyalty factor, because we're not loyal to machines. We're loyal to humans, and we start to feel guilty, yeah. right, if we feel like we're cheating on that human, right? So I think that the loyalty factor is going to be key, and uh, right now there isn't any. There isn't a single stitch of loyalty anywhere in any business, and um, because we're all, we all have a price. So I think that, you know, it's one of the things that we've got to be preaching and retailers have got to understand sure. that that loyalty factor. Sure. We also talked. I mean, I mean, I think uh, you know, Erica McClenny was on on the panel that I did from Expion. Uh, you know, one of the top uh, sort of social uh, media management platforms. Uh, you know, social CRM type of uh, platforms, and uh, you know, did a really good job of kind of outlining sort of the importance of sort of combining uh, you know what you're doing on social with location and mobile uh, technologies and kind of tying those things together. Uh, you know, monitoring the conversation of what's going on and, and kind of bringing that all back together. So really, really good discussion all around. So uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Very cool. Well, I wish I was there because I, I would have loved to have seen it. But uh, by proxy, I was through you and uh, and through uh, your tweets and what you were covering. So very cool. Very cool. God. So you're uh, you're in town for a little while. What have you got? You got another conference in Hamilton, Steel Town, Hockey Town, Ontario. Steel Town, staying in Canada, close to home. Uh, yeah, Friday, Saturday, there's a conference going on uh, this week uh, called Your Business Is Now. Kind of a gathering of uh, you know small business uh, owner operators, um, you know, and some big businesses as well. Really good, uh, you know, diversity. Uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously Amber MacArthur. Uh, uh, so she's uh, she's doing one of the other keynotes uh, there as well. So I, I think we'll get some good some good turnout for that. Um, but yeah, if you're a small business uh, owner operator uh, in uh, southwestern Ontario, I encourage you to uh, come out to Hamilton. It's on our, all the information's on the event page on the LBMA's website. LBMA.com. Well, fascinating, man. Well, we'll do a we'll do a follow up from that as well next week. Sure. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, let's. What, what do you say we jump into the top five stories, the ones that you've curated, you've collated, you've processed, and these are the most significant stories that show this business in a particular light. It's very interesting. We got some big brands, some big musician brands, and we've also got some smaller little brands connected with bigger brands. Mm-hmm. So pretty, pretty diverse uh, set of stories. What do you say we jump into it? Let's do it. Enter sound effect now for the news stories all right our first story square this is a long time coming long time discussed finally launched square launching their directory of what square retailers right yeah i mean to me this is just a a natural evolution of you know where where square has to go um you know they've been out there disrupting payments uh you know with, with some pretty innovative technology out there they've got a whole bunch of uh retailers or merchants um you know using the system now i think there's uh 200,000 businesses um that they've mentioned that are now in this directory so so the idea is is that now now that we've actually made a lot of progress and we've got a whole bunch of businesses that are using square it's time to put those all in a directory so that people can find them um, and, and know that you know this is a Square uh, supported business um, and uh, and you can pay with Square here. So it, for me, it's just a natural evolution. It makes a ton of sense for them. It, it is a bit of an entry into the um, sort of consumer social discovery market. You could argue in some in some cases, not unlike the market that Foursquare and some others are in. Obviously, coming at it from the from the opposite side of the equation, though, um, you know, basically saying these are merchants on our platform as opposed to you know here just find stuff around you. But but I but I think the premise of that is is, is pretty interesting. Um, they even have a guy named uh, Ajit Varma who is Square's director of directory. That's his title. Um, so he's heading this thing up. And you know what? Uh, it's uh, yeah, I'm with you on the um, two hundred thousand, um, two hundred thousand businesses. Um, and and you know what? I, am I wrong to think that um, that they just came up into Canada? That they just came up into Ottawa? Because uh, you know, a, a friend of mine who runs a company called End Product, he's been on on Tether uh, one, one time before. They they built actually a, a, a nano uh, watch band. It was beautifully constructed, and now they they've gone into some slow goods. Um, they were at an event uh, yesterday. So that would have been Saturday, and he was uh, using Square to accept payments. Really? Yeah. I, I, all right, that's news to me. Well, he was doing it, whether he's got a U.S. account or not. Um, he was using it. So I, I wonder, anybody out there in Canada, if you're using Square, I know that uh, Dom Cobal over yep. at uh, End Product is using it. So uh, I don't know if this means that he's it's come up to Canada or not. But um, he was using it yesterday, and uh, you know, even when I did a little search here on the on the uh, on the directory, which I'll pull up right now. Uh, there's a uh, place, uh, Batiquitos in uh, Carlsbad Springs, and um, my 31 purses and totes on uh, Country Route 36. So, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, maybe maybe, uh, maybe this is an advantage. I don't know. Anyways. You never know. I, I'll tell you what. I'll, I will reach out to the Square folks this, this week and uh, see if I can get confirmation. Of yeah, that. well, uh, it would be big news. And this is, this is an interesting play. It's not like a Yelp kind of thing. You don't get to check in anywhere. No reviews, as far as I can tell. Um, no. But, uh, you know, and this is a long time coming. I don't know why. It's, I, a, I don't know why it's such a big deal or why it took so long. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal. Like I said, I think this is a, just a natural yeah. progression of where you know where they are now. I mean, we've got some traction on the merchant side. It's time to start exposing those merchants out there to consumers, um, and you know, help drive more traffic to them, which ultimately drives more transactions, which means more money for Square. Maybe they maybe they weren't uh, happy with the numbers. Maybe like two hundred thousand was uh, was a threshold that they had to be satisfied with that they could actually think that that's a, a, sure. a good enough number, right? Instead of just I can buy ten that. or twenty. Hey, you're the ten stores using Square. Uh, very cool. I mean, Square uh, has done a lot. Uh, I, I, you know, they are. Um, I think that this is much more in line with their their changing of the retail experience as opposed to revolutionary revolutionizing payments. But uh, I, I, you know, this is there you go. Uh, All right, and we got more Square news. Later, we do. So Stick around. We'll be back. Stick around. All right. Second story. Uh, you know, one of the most enduring artists uh, of this generation and last generation, five decades in the business, a guy by the name of Bob Dylan. Um, re- is uh, released an album album in September, and uh, it's called Tempest. And I, I think I'm guessing that this company, Sound Graffiti, is tr- is wrapping a location layer around uh, his music. And what is it? You allowing you to check in somewhere and or be in a location and download a song. 
Yeah, and, and so this is kind of, uh, for me, this is kind of following a, a trend uh, that we're, we're seeing a bit with the music industry kind of connecting to mobile and, and location-based services. You know, I've talked before at several conferences uh, when I was speaking at Canadian Music Week uh, last uh, last February about a band called Blue Brain that basically goes and writes music uh, about specific places and then releases them in the form of an app that you can only uh, consume while you're in that place. Um, so, so it's kind of like... You know, leaning on that kind of of thinking, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about the Rolling Stones. Uh, you know, doing some stuff with the with the uh, with the Gorillas, uh, and that was kind of cool. And so now you got Bob Dylan, um, you know, basically jumping on this with the Tempest. And so what what they've done is using sound graffiti. Uh, both you and I have tried this, by the way, and had some difficulty. So we'll just say that hasn't quite worked. Uh, using sound graffiti, uh, you go to a map, um, and there's a hundred locations around the world uh, which have been tagged with uh, Tempest artwork um, and so basically what happens is, is you go to those places um, and uh, each of those places has some unique meaning uh, to Bob Dylan or from you know past tours uh, you know in, in his life or whatever um, and, and so, so there's you know if you're a Dylan fan you know you can hopefully make, make that association between him as an artist and the meaning of this particular place that might happen to be where you are. Uh, so an example that they gave was uh, Manchester's uh, Free Trade Hall, where he played his first electric guitar. Um, you know, is one of the locations on this. Um, and so when you're in those places, you can unlock free songs from the album, um, and uh, but you can only get them when you're in that location. So there you what go. do you think? What do you think happened at uh, 279 Young Street that was so significant in uh, Bob Dylan's? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I don't know. No, I mean what they should do is is on the on the on the map on the website they should actually you know give you some some information around that right so you can actually you know maybe maybe if you're not that big a Dylan fan you don't know everything that happened at every one of these hundred places you, you might actually learn about something you know could could be interesting. Well, it's a so. music it's a musical history ride and and um, so I, you know on first blush I think this is a great idea this is something like you know the Stones with the augmented reality we talked about obviously yeah, yeah. just uh, last week and um, but this is also one of those things that falls flat for me because uh, you know uh, what if I just want to listen to the music you know you're trying to create a, a big enough audience around the music itself that don't make me go to two seventy nine Young Street and if I'm in everywhere that this is not like Ottawa or Nebraska or South Dakota or Montana. I can't participate yep. in this. So what? What is that? Uh, I, it has to. I mean, come on now. If Springsteen did this, Rob, you'd be you'd be ticked. Well, yeah, I would be. One hundred percent, I would be. Um, and that's that's what I'm saying here is that you know I understand that this is a musical mystery and musical ride for, and a historical ride for for Bob Dylan, and I like the idea. Um, but but do you know give you some added bonus for doing these things? Don't just don't don't yeah. be the music that you get from the album. Um, so this falls flat for me, and, and the fact that the website doesn't work. Or the, I downloaded the app, and it couldn't detect my location. Um, it, you know, the experience was not a good experience. It's an HTML5 based. It's a web based app that you you know put to your uh, desktop. It's presumptuous that I'm ever going to do that. Um, all in all, I think that this falls very flat for me, and um, it doesn't take away from Bob Dylan. It just says like somebody's got to manage no. this experience a little bit better. No, and I love Bob Dylan. I mean, I, I, you know, it's. Like like you said, I think you said it well. You know the the concept is is, is solid. I, li I like what they're trying to do here. I think from a technology and execution perspective, there's a lot of things that can make this better. Um, you know, obviously, you don't want to do anything that kind of limits the audience. I mean, if you can make this stuff available through the web or, or some other way as well as being there um, and help people understand, you know, the importance of these hundred locations and and what they mean to Bob Dylan and all that. Um, you know, I think I think you can actually widen your audience uh, pretty significantly here for you know probably not a lot you know a lot more different uh, or a lot more money spent in, in execution. No, I mean one hundred percent. And if you're trying to increase awareness to the to a new fan base, right? Which a lot of people haven't been exposed yep. to Bob Dylan, or if they have, it's a, a certain type of Bob Dylan, and this is a different uh, version of of Bob Dylan. Then then you, I think that a little uh, a little history would have been great, a little bit of uh, Dylan history in this app would have been a little bit better I just yeah it, it falls flat so I, I'm not I'm not really sold on this I, I like the other approaches that we've we've highlighted here much better than than what sound graffiti is doing with Bob Dylan no offense no offense at all all right all right we'd love to hear what you think 
Have you tried this? Have you actually been able to download one of these songs? Please. I mean, just hit us up with an email. Let us know if this thing works because I have not been able to get this work and I've been frustrated all day with it. So um, Bob Dylan, you know, it doesn't impact my relationship with Bob Dylan, but Sound Graffiti, I'm not so impressed. Okay, and if you want to check this out, go to uh, listentobobdylan.com on your iPhone. It just tells you to go on your iPhone. I don't know what happens with any other operating system, which is another feeling to me, um, if it's just an iPhone-only opportunity. But listentobobdylan.com. Let us know if it works for you. All right, so uh, on to good pal Josh. Josh Rockland and Extify. Uh, uh, They made an announcement at Ramp. Uh, Our third story is this announcement. Retail services? Yeah, yeah. No, th- and this is kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, Xtify and Urban Airship and all these guys, you know, are, are battling for, uh, you know, ownership of, of push notifications. And, and you know, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to really win this. I think this is just something that functionally gives a lot of power to any brand to uh, engage customers uh, when they're near a store, in the store, um, you know, whatnot. And so they they launched this thing called. Um, retailer services or Xtify retail uh, retail services and, and really what it is is it just takes their existing push platform and gives uh, simple uh, methods for retailers to uh, take existing materials that they've already got uh, um, you know existing marketing uh, campaigns uh, content wise and kind of repurpose those things to fit with push notifications and, and get the message out quickly uh, you can load all your retail locations, uh, competitor locations, uh, in, into a system. Um, you know, from a targeting perspective, you can upload you know, target marketing lists. You can, uh, you know, so basically, it's just a, it's a tool set that empowers retailers to leverage, uh, you know, the push notification platform that they have. You know, that's just optimized for for retailers around you know what they look like, multi locations, etc. So. I like it. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, this is a, I think this is a big enough space for many companies to be involved with this. And, and, you know, as long as uh, it's integrated, hidden in the app that, you know, this is, Xtify is hidden in or embedded into the retailer's app. So it's, uh, it's powerful that way. You can have multiple companies like Xtify and like Urban Airship, like, and a bunch of others. And and I think there are enough retailers out there that need this as part of their business as a way to integrate um, real-time notification into their mobile experience. So, but Xtify, I like these guys, but I like Xtify. I like Urban Airship. I like these guys that are running it. So um, we'll cover that kind of news anytime, anywhere, any place. We appreciate Josh for uh, for submitting that. I'm going to interrupt you, Rob. I, so as we're speaking here, I get a ding in the background because I got an email that just came in. And I'm going to share a little bit of this quickly. So I happen to open this thing up. I don't normally do this. So, Were you that uh, bored just, of what I was saying, Asif? Is that the is that what? It, no, I wasn't ignoring <laughs> at all. I was, I was agreeing with you. But um, anyhow, the uh, just just to share with our audience, you know, that our audience is in fact a global one. This guy named uh, Chao Luo, uh, who's a, a PhD student um, uh, from China, and uh, and he writes in that um, you know he he's he's a heavy sort of GIS mapping uh, guy. Um, Google Mapping, Google Earth guy, and uh, comes from that world, listens to the podcast every week. He initially started listening to this podcast so that he could learn English, how to speak oh, English. Nice. Okay? And, and he got, because of what we do, okay, and because of what we talk about, he got inspired to go out and build a location-based product. How do you like that? Come on. Yeah, so he's now working on a product, um, and, and, and basically he's working on a location-based tourist service app with his friends right now. Um, and, uh, you know, is, uh, is looking forward to getting that up. So he's, uh, you know, I love guys like this that, you know, kind of, uh, share. So, so if you're listening, Chow, when we, uh, you know, when, when you hear this this week, uh, we're thinking about you. There you go. Oh, Sorry. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt the, uh, the flow. You can interrupt any time with news like that. That is, that is amazing. Isn't that what we're doing this for? Absolutely. Oh man. That, that, uh, okay. We should just stop here. <laughs> so there you go. Wow. Well, ciao. Thank you so much. Don't know what else to say other than thank you. Thank you for listening. Man. And then when you actually launch your product, let us know. We'll talk about it here. We will. We will do that. All right. I got a friend. Sorry. Back back to the uh, to the top story. All right. We'll jump on to story number four. I don't know how you top that. That is uh, that is incredible. That was even, that is incredible. Really. All right. Inspiration for another ninety eight episodes after this one. All right. Our fourth story. You know there is. Uh, 
a battle brewing right now in the mapping space like nothing else before. This is pretty incredible. Even through the whole GPS thing uh, and, uh, you know, when we had Navtech and we had uh, and, and all the other companies that were battling for this, has, have we seen such a competitive, fierce, and bitter fight going on right now? We all know what happened to iOS and, and Google. Uh, you know, iOS 6 dropping uh, Google Maps and all of the kerfuffle around the uh, how, how poor of an implementation iOS 6 had with Maps or Apple Maps. But uh, one of these companies that everybody seems to, I don't know if they forget or not, uh, but they don't realize how rich of a mapping company Nokia is. And they just signed up an agreement with Oracle to uh, license Nokia Maps. And Nokia has spent a ton of money in maps didn't they, they bought navtech didn't they for billions they did indeed yeah. um i mean nokia is an absolute powerhouse in, in the mapping world there, there's no question about it you know via the navtech side of things they already had some location services yeah. businesses from the you know from the uh the telecom side of the industry um so they announced this this past monday at oracle world uh, in san francisco um you know and, and Nokia is going to be, has been, is going to be a, a strong, strong player in the mapping business um, for, for you know, the foreseeable future. You know, when you think about mapping, really at the end of the day, you know, it's Google and it's, and it's, and it's Nokia, uh, it's Navtech in terms of, you know, robust, you know, mapping, like multi-countries, multilingual navigation, all that kind of stuff. You know, Apple can go out and say, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, forget about Google. We're doing our own thing. But you know, we see the results of that, and there's a lot of work to do. It's not e as easy as people think. You know, I can't just go build my own maps tomorrow. It, it's not that simple. Um, and, and so you do need to rely on guys who've spent years and years and millions and millions and billions, um, you know, sort of building out the, uh, you know, that that mapping capability and and and, and the robustness of it. So. Um, so they've licensed this, this stuff to Oracle. Um, this is an interesting play, I think, for Nokia because, you know, this you know Oracle is not a consumer brand. You know, this is this is a commercial brand uh, that does a lot of ERP and CRM and you know whatnot for big enterprises. And mapping is a big part of that in today's world. And so I think this is an interesting, uh, you know, and, and good move for Nokia from a from a commercial uh, perspective. Um, they bought. Uh, I think Nav the Navtech acquisition was eight 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 point one billion. If I if, if I uh, remember the number from one of the articles I was reading earlier, um, you know, and, and and it's not just Oracle that's using these guys. Um, uh, Yahoo uses them. Groupon uses them. Amazon uses them. So um, you know, you know, <laughs> Google's Google's struggling right now on the mapping side in terms of licensing, anyways. To third parties, it, you know, no, no. I would say Nokia is winning that battle. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not so clear on where the the revenue model is. Aside from Nokia licensing these to companies like Oracle and and the big guys, but there's got to be they got to be cheaper than what Google Maps was was offering. Or why would anybody transition over from Google Maps? Probably for the data, uh, because it is rich right. with Navtech. Um, but it, it's a this is a battle where where you're you're fighting for people to embed this software into their mechanisms, into their software, into their devices as well. It's just it's not so clear for me where the revenue opportunities are for Nokia after spending all this money and working on all these relationships. Where where who, how do they make money off of this? Is it just it's data, obviously. Yeah, this is all about data. Uh, you know, I, I think when you think about mapping in general, uh, depending on you know where that map's being accessed from, whether it's whether it's the mobile handset device or it's in a vehicle or or where it is, um, you know, we haven't seen you know uh, for me and anyways, we haven't seen uh, enough of a, uh, a solution set yet built around delivering ads, offers, deals layered on top of those maps right. based on location. Yeah. That isn't really happening at least in a, in a mass way obviously there's you know navtech's got you know the sort of location point stuff which works really great um, and a lot of brands have been using that in europe and, and other markets not so much here in north america um, you know the the proximity guys uh, daniel that we had on the show um, you know a few episodes ago is the guest um, you know they're doing it in vehicle um, you know but I don't know anybody else who's doing it. Uh, you know, we just haven't seen a lot of that yet. So that is a revenue opportunity, I think, that that could exist here. 
Um, but yeah, beyond the licensing piece, I, I don't know really what's next. Well, you know, it's so important. And, and companies like Waze that are using open source data and crowdsourcing information like traffic and uh, and delays and street ca and uh, you mm -hmm. know cameras or uh, street sign cameras or, or uh, stoplight cameras. I think that this there's a piece to this. But but there's got to be a, a bigger revenue picture that that has to come into this, and I, I don't think that it's it's so much advertising. There's got to be something that's the next layer of this to spend all this money in this battle, or, or is this? Yeah. You know, I just wonder if this is just one of these, one of these, uh, you know, basically like uh, you know the tulip rush in 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 Amsterdam, uh, where everybody just thinks that I got to be in mapping, I got to be in mapping, and and it's an expensive endeavor to get in there, as you know, both. Costly, like Nokia has put a lot of money into this many years ago. They've built this this service over yeah. many years. Or costly, like Apple, because look, mea culpa, when uh, your CEO has to go out and say, "Listen, we're sorry, go and download these apps." Right? Uh, so right. it's costly on two sides. And if you don't do it right, you're going to get hammered, like Apple did. If you do it right, uh, you might get hammered, like Google did, where it's too costly to even run those services. You have to start charging for it. So um, uh, this is this is an intriguing piece. I, I, we got to keep our eye on what's going on in the mapping space. Obviously, sure. that's why you come here. All right. Okay. Fifth story. Here we go. Macy's. Macy's. Uh, you know, pretty active in the space. Uh, working with a company called Clipped, um, or not a company called Clipped, but a, a piece of software that called Clipped for malls. Now, this is an interesting one because I, I I didn't get the sense that this was just for Macy's, was it? No, it's not. I mean, uh, so, so the the Clipped uh, app. Is uh, you know is obviously multi-vendor, uh, um, and uh, you know being used by uh, it's from a company called AdSpace Networks that puts this thing together. And um, you know the reason I pulled this one out is is that you know obviously there's a lot of activity in shopping malls. There's a lot of various location-based services that we've talked about in in the past. Some are SMS-based, like Value Text, uh, that some of the mall operators are are deploying. Uh, you know, all focused on you know how do I drive you know, traffic into a certain store in the mall. Um, the Clipped app, what I like about this, and, and the reason I pulled this one out is is that, um, you know, and obviously Macy's is just, you know, one of the companies that happens to be using it, but they're running this two-month pilot in four malls, uh, and um, it's not just the push piece uh, or push notification or offer, you know, while you're in the mall that drive, you know, drives traffic in. They've integrated this to, so AdSpace, the company behind the Clipped app, uh, also operates uh, digital screens in the malls uh, as well, and so there's a connectivity between you know 15 second spots that are running on these screens, uh, 1,700 screens in these four malls where this pilot program is going on, um, you know, and what's happening in the app uh, in terms of driving traffic. So it's that marriage of media, you know, you know, multimedia again, not just mobile by itself, but connecting media together. Um, you know, and just uh, quickly reading uh, the article here again. So you have Express, Stride Right, Crabtree and Evelyn, Era Postal, and Joss A. Banks also uh, playing uh, in this campaign as well. So there you go. Yeah, here's a perfect example of that cross-media approach, right? Which is uh, exactly as you said. They've got the screens and they're pushing you to the app. The, um, I, I, you know, I think this is a good start. I'm always I'm always leery of, of coupons just as a general source to get you into a store, yeah. but uh, but I you know there's got to be some kind of bridge between the screens and and getting you to do an action inside of the store. Um, yeah. But you know uh, we always come down to it is that uh, whatever you can do to get somebody into your store, uh, you know if you're willing to pay that price, do it right. This this technology, mobile technology, and the services on top of it have a have an incredible have an incredible ability to drive footfall if you do it effectively. Um, but always right. never sacrifice the second visit with for the first, right? You've always got to be thinking about loyalty as we were talking about it off the top. So, uh, Yeah, the other thing, uh, just a quick note on the Clipped app. So it, it's uh, iOS and Android. Mm -hmm. You can get it from the, uh, the various uh, app stores. But you can also uh, text uh, CLIPD uh, in a text message uh, and get it that way. Um, so, so that's cool. I like that. Yeah, I mean, if well, you might as well make it easy for people to use your app to get your app. Text message is good. I like it. Well, those are the five stories. The last one, Macy's using Clipped, um, and uh, obviously a, a number of other big brands using it as well to drive footfall, which is great uh, inside of malls. Uh, so big stories, big stories all around. Big brands in Square and Bob Dylan. Uh, you know, smaller brands like Xtify, but growing brands like Xtify, one of these companies that we think is one of them to watch uh, going forward. Uh, Nokia licensing their maps to a big brand called uh, Oracle and Macy's. Those are the five stories. If yours isn't there, well, 
We're sorry. We would love to feature it. Reach out on tether at gmail.com or seif at the lbma.com and we will put your story in there. We'll talk about it. If you're running a conference and if a seif's going to the conference, boy, this is a good opportunity to publicize that right here, right now. Absolutely. So, Asif, we talked about uh, Tasty Delight and uh, the book uh, around social media. What was that? It's called The Tasty Delight Way. Um, and you had an opportunity to sit down and interview B.J. Emerson, which is uh, which is a, must have been great. I know you know B.J., but uh, phenomenal to get him to uh, spend six, uh, six minutes with you talking about what? Well, I mean, basically talking about, you know, how... how PCs retail and, and location-based marketing, and you know it, it was it, it was the funniest thing is is you, you know I've known BJ for a while. It, it seems like lately we see each other like every second week at a conference because we're both speaking at the same conferences or on the same panels or whatever. I'm going to see him again at the end of this month uh, at the Street Fight Summit. Um, we're both doing panels down there, so you know it's uh, you know I, I basically pulled him. I said I said BJ. I mean. You remember the association, uh, you know, Tasty Light, Planet Smoothie. Uh, you know, I see you every every second week. It seems, you know, you got to come on the show. We, we got to get you out there. People got to hear from you uh, in, in in this audience. And so he said, "Yeah, let's do it." And uh, here it is. So simple as that. So why don't we roll? This is uh, B.J. Emerson, and uh, see. Well, uh, it's time for that uh, segment on the show where we uh, we like to bring on a uh, a empowered visionary guest. And this week uh, we have. B.J. Emerson, from, who's the VP of Technology for Tasty Delight and Planet Smoothie. Welcome to the show, B.J. Thanks. Appreciate yeah, we're, it. We're really excited to have you. So why don't we get, jump right into it. Why don't we, uh, for those in our audience who might not be familiar with you, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about you know, who is Tasty Delight and, and Planet Smoothie. What are you guys all about? So uh, we actually have two franchise brands that we uh, manage. And so one of them is uh, Tasty Delight, uh, made popular in Manhattan now for 25 years. Uh, so frozen dessert, I uh, think uh, Froyo slash ice cream category, if you will. Uh, very popular and uh, also Planet Smoothie. Uh, so another chain that uh, about 100 locations there. Uh, and so uh, both retail, uh, quick service retail, uh, of course, uh, brick and mortar locations. And we get to interact around great products. Uh, with our customers online. Excellent. Now, I mean, your organization has been a, a friend, supporter, and member of the LBMA uh, for a while now. Um, you know, tell us about what's your view of the importance of location-based marketing? What does that mean to you as a brand? Well, you have uh, customers that are going around with their mobile devices. They're uh, interacting uh, around the products uh, and, and these physical venues. Uh, and they're sharing their, uh, their, their experience with their friends. Uh, so they're, they're checking in, they're rating, they're reviewing, uh, they're leaving tips and that sort of thing. And so uh, we feel that it's uh, our responsibility uh, and a great opportunity uh, to be there, meet them where they are uh, as they're interacting around uh, these things. We want to be part of that conversation. We want to be there to support them in that or perhaps reach new customers uh, in, in using those tools. And so we, we love to interact. Uh, certainly uh, offers are a part of that. Uh, but we uh, our overall value, uh, hopefully, with, that we're providing is just a great experience. Uh, and so as much as we can interact with them uh, around using the, the, the use of those tools, uh, that's where we want to be. Okay, fair enough. Now, I mean, one of the things I love about where you guys are positioned in the marketplace around you know, the use of these tools and these technologies is that um, you, you know, you subscribe to the LVMA's view of sort of integrated media. It's not just about mobile. You do stuff with digital screens connected to Foursquare and recognizing mares and all that kind of stuff. Um, but maybe, you know, if, if you could take all that and kind of tie it back, talk to me about, you know, what, what brand loyalty and, and loyal customers and return engagement and, and all of that looks like for, for your brands. I think as it relates to, you know, putting things on digital displays, uh, you know, taking that very personal mobile, uh, you know, experience and putting it on a, on a digital display, if it's public information like a Foursquare Mayor, uh, things like that, uh, we want to recognize uh, and reward our customers for the digital activity. That's kind of been our, our whole theme is to, uh, you know, if they say something about Tasty Light or Planet Smoothie, we want to be there to recognize them and perhaps reward them for that. So bringing into the physical uh, realm on some type of display uh, kind of showing them off. We also do some uh, some point of sale pole displays with uh, little things that go across, and somebody will come in and oh look, hey, there's my picture. You know, I tweeted that last week, or 
uh, or I checked in on Foursquare, and here I am. Uh, here I'm the mayor, and they're, they're celebrating me on this display, and everybody can see that, and, and we can recognize uh, uh, and appreciate the emotion that, that, that is involved in the dynamics of these, uh, you know, location-based apps. Uh, again, that's where we want to be and, and meet them and reward them, uh, and, and we think that goes a long way toward uh, promoting uh, customer loyalty. And what, just, just to kind of carry that thought a bit further, I mean, one of the things that you do really well is, or you've been sort of recognized for, is this idea of, you know, you had this, this existing loyalty program, this, you know, plastic loyalty card kind of thing, and, and you built a functionality where as that was swiped, uh, you know, sort of back-end sort of, you know, people were checked into Foursquare or you know, an automated tweet was sent out or, or whatever that might be. I mean, can you tell us about the success of, of how that's worked for you? Yeah, sure. I mean, so we layered on top of a traditional loyalty program. We just go across locations and earn points and redeem points. Uh, so within that, and you could enable a connection uh, to your personal Twitter, Foursquare, Facebook account uh, so that uh, when your loyalty card is swiped, a message goes out to your friends and you, you earn extra points because you're sharing your loyalty activity. Now, the cool thing is we, we took an active check-in on, on, on Foursquare and turned it into a passive check-in just by swapping a loyalty card. Uh, and so that kind of utility and convenience, uh, where people were doing that already, and now all, all they have to do is swipe their loyalty card, and they're getting rewarded for doing that, uh, we, we feel that goes, uh, again, a long way toward uh, uh, hopefully fostering uh, uh, you know, that kind of loyalty. Uh, so they were sharing already online with their friends. They're already checking in. We made it easier, and now rewarding them for doing that. Uh, and, and we think we have some great results uh, you know, so we're, we're adding features and benefits to our loyalty program that's going to increase adoption. And we know that loyalty members on average spend more than non-loyalty customers. Awesome. And, and maybe just to kind of cl uh, close things out here, uh, you guys have a, a new book that you put out uh, recently called The Tasty Delight Way. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where people might be able to, uh, to, to get a hold of it or, or learn more about it? Sure. I mean, we started this uh, about, you know, five years ago as far as our online journey and, and these, uh, you know, dealing with uh, mobile coupons on Twitter and all that. We started really early on and got in with Foursquare and some other things. Uh, and uh, in 2011, there were uh, actually seven books published uh, kind of profiling some of our efforts. And after for a while, we kind of said, hey, I, we have enough content here. We, we curated uh, quite a bit of content, customer stories and all these case studies and then uh, put it into a book, and McGraw-Hill has been great in supporting us in that. Uh, it's been a really fun project, and it just, just released on the 25th birthday of Tasty Delight. So it's called uh, The Tasty Delight Way, and uh, uh, so a lot of buzz going on around that. Uh, again, just launched uh, just in September here, but uh, it's uh, thetastydelightway.com uh, is where you can read more about that. Uh, so it's a great content around location-based uh, marketing. Uh, engaging customers in the way we do, a lot about culture, a lot about brand building, brand stewardship, uh, that sort of thing. But uh, some great uh, content from you uh, as well, I see, a uh, contributor uh, in a couple of chapters, I believe. Uh, so great book. Uh, so check it out at tastydelightway.com. All right. Well, thank you very much uh, for, for your time today and for kind of sharing with our audience. Again, for those listening uh, only or those who are viewing as well. Uh, we've been sitting down today with uh, B.J. Emerson, VP Technology for Tasty Delight and Planet Smoothie. B.J., thank you so much for uh, joining this week on Location Based Market. All right. Thanks for having me, Steve. Excellent. So, uh, you know, there was B.J. Emerson and uh, doing a normally fabulous job like he always does, uh, so smooth and uh, gets uh, gets right to the point in terms of, you know, how they're uh, benefiting from, uh, from these uh, services. And uh, so thanks. Thanks again to BJ for that. Love it. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate uh, BJ coming on. Go to Tasty Delight. Do I have to spell that? T-A-S-T-I-D-L-I-T-E.com forward slash book. And you'll get some more information there, uh, obviously, about the book and how to order it. But really appreciate BJ coming on. Thanks, BJ, buddy. All right, on to some funding and acquisition news. This was a uh, big week for a uh, couple of acquisitions. One, you know, fairly decently uh, sized round of uh, funding. We'll start with an acquisition. Uh, my, the best quote that I heard about this acquisition, I'm going to pull it up because I cannot uh, actually remember it. This is a, a Wired uh, article about TripAdvisor buying Wanderfly. And uh, these are not my words. 
These are not, I know uh, a good friend of mine, uh, his company was purchased by TripAdvisor, and I'm trying to get them on to untether.tv, but this was funny. It says that Pinterest meets travel guide startup Wonderfly is everything TripAdvisor isn't. Social, curated, and beautifully designed. Ouch! But they bought this company called Wonderfly. Let's talk about this. That, that's, that's scathing. Now, that hurts. <laughs> well, I, I mean, maybe it doesn't hurt because because uh, they now own it. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, um, you know, people can say what they want. I mean, TripAdvisor is doing really well. Uh, they own a whole bunch of other brands uh, 18, as well. 18. So, uh, you know, these guys are constantly buying great companies. Uh, so I think this is yet, just yet another great acquisition for them. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with Wonderfly, uh, the audience out there, um, this company has been around for three or four years, I think. Um, and they're all about using Facebook friends, Google contacts, you know, all that kind of stuff to give recommendations on hotels and restaurants and, and activities around you. So, um, so effectively, uh, you know, the idea behind Wonderfly is, you know, use the social graph. You know, you trust the, your friends more than you trust, you know, some anonymous recommendation for, or from some person that you don't know. Um, you know, it's that idea of, hey, Rob, you know, you've been to, you know, Spain before. I'm thinking of going. You're a friend of mine on, on Facebook or Google. Um, you know, your your views of, of your trip there are, are worth more to me than, you know, reading something in, in Fodders. Um, you know, or something like that, and and so that's the premise of Wanderfly, and uh, it just makes sense. I mean, TripAdvisor's uh, well well known for its recommendation engine and uh, and some of the things that they do there. So uh, I think this is just a good move. I didn't see any numbers on it, did you? No, I didn't see any numbers at all. Uh, but um, no, I'm good. I'm going to assume that it was a a uh, fairly priced uh, acquisition because I do know the TripAdvisor. Um, and their acquisition process, obviously, but it's, I'm going to assume that it was, it was a good deal, but it's probably spread out over many years and a good kick at the end. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, TripAdvisor doesn't have to be good. It's, you know, I'm only going in there to get the, about the information about the hotel I want to stay at or look for a hotel. And, and I think that, and you can see that as I'm pulling up here, like, I mean, this is what TripAdvisor looks like. And then if I, uh, if I can, if I go over back to, uh, to Wonderfly, you know, yeah, there's, there's a stark difference, but they're, you know, somehow showing the same information. One's just a little bit more yep. effective. So no, no numbers on this, but I'm going to assume that it was a good deal. You know, and I like this. Don't say no. Take the money. Take, Take the, money. the money. And, you know, uh, Trip, TripAdvisor, I think they didn't they, they just went public uh, in the uh, in the fall or uh, late summer. So, uh, yeah, uh, take the money. Take the money. If you think that there's a good exit, so TripAdvisor acquires Wanderfly. You can go to TripAdvisor.com or Wanderfly.com. All right, second acquisition. Uh, we said we would bring up Square again. Two stories in one episode. These guys picked up a design firm, eighty twenty, a small design firm. Obviously, impressed them enough to uh, to warrant an acquisition. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the one thing about Jack Dorsey, uh, you know, the one of the founders of of Square is, you know, this guy understands the importance of, you know, a, a aesthetically pleasing product to the consumer. Uh, so design is is really uh, really important to him in terms of what all his products look like. Um, and so he picked up this little firm in New York called Eighty Twenty. Um, I don't, I didn't see a number on this one either. Um, obviously, they're using some of their new war chest of of uh, funds they recently raised. But what's what's interesting about this is the guys. So there's there's three co-founders of eighty twenty, um, and all of these guys are serious serious players, like serious designers. Um, so uh, uh, I'm going to read here. So uh, there's a guy named Andrew Borovsky, um, and so he led uh, product design of Mobile Me hmm. at Apple. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Jerry Knight and uh, and Andrew Lin, and both of these guys were previously designers at Adobe. Um, and uh, and they've all worked with like Warner Brothers and Verizon and you know Motorola and you know serious serious companies. Um, so there's there's a lot of great design pedigree here uh, in these guys. The other thing is is this is a New York uh, small little uh, agency in New York, and it's going to become now the New York uh, office for Square. Um, so they're establishing a presence there. Uh, they have fifty thousand of those two hundred thousand merchants that we heard about are in that area. Um, so it's important to them that they have a New York, uh, a New York headquarters, and this is this is going to be it. Well, big brands that they've done business with, with Warner Brothers and Touch Tunes, and uh, certainly uh, who else? Verizon, Motorola, 
Um, Vodafone, Sony, Sonar Mobile, Second Life. These guys have been obviously pretty effective at, at, at what they're doing. And if yeah. you want some more information about 8020, just go to 8020, literally 8020.com, 8020.com. But what pedigree? And that's uh, that's the difference when you've uh, you've got, uh, you know, I love these little boutique shops. Um, and certainly Square needs to spend a lot of time on their usability and uh, their, well, their UI, UX. And it's yeah. obviously that company that's going to do it. Yeah, they're off their New York office. I didn't realize they didn't have one. Uh, so if a quarter of my business is coming out of New York, yeah, I'm going to be there. Time to have an office. Yeah, time to have an office. Sort sort not unlike, by the way, you know, the LVMA, where we look at it and say, well, you know, we're growing all over the place. We got members all over the place. Um, but um, you know, one of the things that we're doing, um, and and you can see this on our website, is we're launching a new chapter uh, in Atlanta. Uh, first week of December, uh, because you know we've got a bunch of members down there, guys like Coca-Cola and whatnot, small companies, and uh, yeah, so we're uh, we decided that Atlanta is going to be the next uh, the next new stop, and um, you know same kind of thing, you know you got to go where your where your where your members are. They'll pull you, they'll pull you, right? Certainly the lure of Coca-Cola in uh, in a city like Atlanta that's that's a good that's a good customer to to satisfy, obviously. Yeah. Coca-Cola. All right, uh, last story. This is a funding story. A company that's been around since 2009 preaching exactly the business that they're in long before this was actually a business that people actually wanted to be in. And uh, right, they raised money in 2009 during a terrible time to raise money where the, where the wallets were closed very tight. Uh, just picked up a uh, $10.6 million funding. This is a company called Gravity. Uh, why is this so significant now? These guys have hung on for three years and uh, they've finally come out with a product this year and um, and just raised 10.6. Yeah, uh, first of all, I mean, kudos to these guys for sticking yes. around and, and, and hanging in there and making it. Um, you know, 10.6 million, uh, this is a Series B for them, led by GRP Partners. Uh, Redpoint Ventures, August Capital are also uh, reinvested in this. Uh, they were in the first round. So in total, they're 20 million now um, that they've raised. But this is, you know, this is not one of those crazy valuations and you know ridiculous money. This is probably a company out there who's, you know, this is a justified, you know, 10.6 million that actually makes sense. Uh, a company that stuck it out probably has, you know, good revenues coming in. I don't know what the numbers are. Um, they do a lot of work with uh, CNN, Wall Street Journal, TechCrunch, and they're all about, uh, you know, sort of hyper-targeted, you know, messaging, right? I mean, this this is about, you know. Targeting a message, targeting an ad, targeting content—you know—based on understanding the personal uh, interests of, of the individual. Um, and in some respects, you know, they talk about how gravity—you know—in some respects, from a con ad content perspective and targeting perspective, competes with Facebook. Um, you know, and they—they pushed out something like 25 million re recommendations to 200 million people. Pretty good numbers. That is, and pretty. And have been talking about this, as you said, since 2009, right? They have been preaching the same thing. It's interesting that they just launched their first product at the beginning of this year, which is 2012. For those of you who are watching right. this sometime in the future, like my kids, I'd like to say hello, Jack and Ben. I hope you're doing well. Um, but it, it is a, uh, since 2009, they've been talking about this. And, and uh, the domain name itself is, I think, worth $10 million. Gravity.com. Come on. I love it. That's probably what it's, it's yeah. based on. Gravity.com. It's awesome. So check them out, gravity.com, raising uh, 10.6, now total $20 million or so, right? Which is what they've raised uh, over the last three years. Yeah, congratulations, kudos for them for sticking around. And uh, it's just the beginning, I would say, with that. And they're based in where, so like Santa Monica or something like that. They're based in California. Yep. Cali, Cali, Cali. Those are the funding and acquisition news items this week. TripAdvisor picking up Wanderfly, Square acquiring 80-20, and, of course, our last story, Gravity, closing $10.6 million. What a week. If your story wasn't there, man, we want to tell it. Boy, do we ever just want to tell your story. So if you've received $20 from Grandma or $200 million from a VC or anything in between, reach out on tethergmail.com. Seif at the LBMA.com. We will post your story. We'll put it up there. We'll put it right in there. Sandwich between Square, 8020, and TripAdvisor. We'll put it right there. Right there. And my mother and Asif's folks will know about it. Yes. Right. And the other 900 million people that watch this episode. When, when I'm not busy eating turkey. Oh, yes. I got to have my turkey. I don't get turkey all the time, you know, and this is this is turkey weekend. It is. So. Well, I'm going to get fat 
watching the Yankees play tonight. And this is what you're talking about. This is like 13 and a half hours of baseball today. And it's like, that's the typical Sunday for a football fan. That's what I'm always reminded. It's a typical Sunday. I sit down, <laughs> no. I sit down for the pregame at like 10 Eastern, which is like 7 Pacific AM. And I'm like, I basically got a big Kentucky, a big, big bucket of Dirty Bird. And I'm there the whole day, like 16 hours football. I grease all over my face and I wipe my face with my shirt. That's what it's like. And then I'm reminded that that's basically every Sunday for football fans, right? It's tough. It's a tough day. I would never be allowed to do that. All right, let's jump into our resource. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. We all have our bosses. I'm going to take the day off. I'm going to sit down and watch some football all day. Like, yeah, okay. You can do that from the curb with your stuff. I don't Yeah, lucky, yeah. lucky people who can do that. Uh, or single people who can do that. All right, that's it. Like, what about our resource of the week? This is a uh, this is a, a great uh, couple of slides. Uh, obviously, that uh, that you were presenting at Ramp uh, during your presentation, but very, very, very worthwhile. Very appro um, uh, appropriate for our conversation around the location based uh, economy. What are these things, Asif? I'm going to pull them up as you talk. Well, uh, basically, a new infographic put out by our friends at Local Response, um, and uh, you know, it basically looks at uh, this past summer and check-ins uh you know good old check-ins uh, people still do that and, and they're like uh, across the major retailers in the u.s and uh so it looked at you know just overall check-ins co contrasting you know who had the most or or what uh what time people were checking in uh in day of the week etc and uh and gender uh breakdowns across that and um you know, when you look at the data, it, it's really interesting. I mean, 38%, you know, leading far by far uh, is Walmart getting the most check-ins of, of, of the top retailers. So this is Walmart, Target, Costco, Best Buy, Walgreens, Home Depot, CVS, Lowe's, Safeway, and Kroger. And, um, you know, Walmart uh, killing that in terms of getting uh, check-ins. And then uh, when are people checking in? Seems like Saturdays is, is the hot time uh, between 2 and 3 in the afternoon. And uh, the interesting thing on the gender side was um, what we saw here was more women uh, were checking in at Target, uh, you know, than men. Um, and uh, when you got down to Best Buy, it was more men than women. So that's sort of an obvious one, I think. But uh, yeah, there you go. So you know, there's some data to back it up, people. Uh, you know, and that and that's ultimately what you know I, I heard from a lot of these retailers. You know. Whether the check-in is the right way to go about it or not is not the question. It's about you know where's the data to support us doing these things. Uh, you know where's where's the case studies, where's the research uh, that back this up. And this is the kind of stuff the LVMA you know uh, loves to do and get involved in and um, you know push out there as, as content. So there you go. There's our resource for the week. And I, I you know we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but but obviously the that huge gap. Like what we're talking about here is a thirty-eight percent. Uh, ownership, like uh, where do people check in the most? 38% of people checked into Walmart versus 15% Target and then 9% Costco. And then it just kind of plummets all the way down. Obviously, this is just because of the volume of the number of people that actually walk into a Target or a, uh, a Walmart versus a Walmart. any other retailer. This is just clearly that. It has to be. Yeah, I think I, for sure. I, I mean, I think, you know, Walmart certainly has been doing some uh, targeted uh, campaign stuff on Foursquare platforms and, and Facebook in particular. Facebook uh, places and such. Um, so I'm sure that helps a little bit. Um, you know, I think you also have to remember that, you know, companies like Walmart and Target, you know, as opposed to, you know, Home Depot uh, or Lowe's, um, you know, you have a lot of uh, branded um, consumer goods, packaged goods going on in there. And, and those those companies, those brands, are also pushing traffic uh, to you know to go and have people engage with their product. And in you know, well, in a lot of cases, the place where you're consuming that product is Walmart. So it sort of makes sense, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, these these numbers are are uh, I don't think they're shocking. Aside from, well, not even the day that you check in. I don't even think, and, and not even the gender mix is uh, is shocking. And um, but you know, I was in uh, I was in Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is up in northern Ontario, right on the ring of Lake Superior. It's beautiful, like you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. You know, I think that it's 800 uh, kilometers to Sault Ste. Marie. It's a 16-hour drive uh, down to Toronto, and um, but I, I, I was doing a workshop shop up there this week um, on mobile, and um, when I asked how many people actually use check-in software, which is surprising, nobody. 
Like zero. Yeah. Zero. Zero. And, and, and you know, I, I was kind of like, well, that was about half of the presentation and I couldn't use it. But, but you know, nobody checks in up there and nobody's willing to give up their location. Um, well, it's a whole different market, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, we were talking about this earlier. I go to Thunder Bay, you know, at least once a year. Uh, good buddy up there, usually for a fishing trip, or yeah, you know, and, and up there, it's 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 about fishing and hunting and you know whatnot. I mean, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be checking in in the middle of the bush like while I'm waiting for the moose. Like it's it's not happening. <laughs> well, so <laughs> yeah, it's contextual. It's yes, culture, so, absolutely. Uh, you know, certainly, I think you know th there could be some interesting studies done on rural versus urban uh you know layouts around this kind of stuff and, and what's actually happening in terms of uh, driving engagement in football well you're going to see that the transition right what happens when you get a walmart in a uh, in a city and then uh, what happens to the advances as a result and and you, you start to see these things start to percolate obviously when there's enough incentive to do these kind of things but right now they just clearly there isn't and uh and that's okay well, this is an interesting study. You can get it at the lbma.com forward slash research where you get a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's the first story today. But uh, if you happen to go by there uh, a little bit later on, it's obviously local response, top 10 retail check-ins. It's going to be on the list somewhere along those lines. So, um, And we really appreciate uh, putting that together and the folks over at local response for, uh, for putting this infographic together. That's it. That's it. I run out of. I got a lot of white space after that story. That means we're done. It means I can go. We can go watch the ball game. Yeah, we can indeed. Right. So go, go Orioles. <laughs> go Yankees. Hey, for those of you who are not, well, I got a nice Yankees right here. Right here. Um, if uh, if you have a story that you feel should be on the show, if we've missed something, please reach out on tethergmail.com. We're getting some great email feedback. We're getting a lot of people from around the world, obviously, as you heard earlier on in today's episode, reaching out and saying, uh, hey, listen, we're listening. Do you, can you help us out? Can you do something for us? Can you uh, just wanted to say I love the show? And this is, this is quite frankly what we're getting a lot of these days, and we really, really do appreciate it. If you guys are out there listening... Do two things. One of them, tell somebody who might be interested in this podcast. This is free information. gives great perspective. The stories that Asif brings up are a great, diverse um, group of stories every week that you can learn something from. And then go on to iTunes if, you're, if you actually subscribe there and give us a rating. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. We'd really appreciate it. These are things that, that that's our currency right now. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if you'd like to reach our audience, which is growing every single episode, Reach out at untethergmail.com or seef at the lbma.com. We'd love to have you as a sponsor. Um, bring it. We'd love to have that. We'd love to start those conversations. Absolutely. And so thanks again for, for listening and watching. Uh, we love doing this show, and uh, we'll see you again for episode 99. 99. The great one. It's going to be the great one episode. The great one. Yeah, we got to get Gretzky on somehow. I don't know how we do that, but. We we'll just have to post picture. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. All right, a safe man, safe week. We'll uh, we'll touch base next week yep. for episode number ninety nine. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody in Canada. Have a good weekend. See everybody. Cheers.